0: everybody, this is Mark Vines, and welcome to The Mark Vines Show. And thanks for visiting once again for your one-stop shop for freedom, liberty, and really updates on the destruction of your country as you know it. And folks, it is happening at breathtaking speed, and we're going to jump right into today's topic, which is the police. But before we get to that point, I, I want to just remind you that feel free to visit me on The Mark Vines Show Facebook site, I'm also on Parler, and I'm also on Rumble. Parler's back up, thank goodness, and uh, those of you that haven't transitioned over to Rumble, I would invite you to do that as well. And so we're just going to get right into today's subject, and what's really causing me to think about this is... As you know, the Derek Chauvin trial has started. Uh, that if you're not familiar with Derek Chauvin, he is the Minneapolis police officer that is being charged with the murder of George Floyd up in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, which happened uh, around this time last year, maybe a little bit later in the year. But uh, that trial is going on, and and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that because that whole incident ignited the burning down of the cities and and really just. Adding to the misery that was already the COVID 19 pandemic. And I want to bring this up because it's bringing back interest into police work, uh, reforming police departments, and and all of the idiocracy that we have going on right now, and and I came across a New York Post article that we're going to cover today, and and really highlight how stupid some of the stuff is. And and folks, it's a warning to all of you that you must must stay involved. You must be involved in politics. You have to pay attention to the issues because the way that the the left is getting away with everything they're doing is because basically uh, the American public's not rising up and and really just addressing these issues and saying, enough is enough, and we are not going to tolerate this anymore. And I I know it's tough, folks. I have to admit that even I had to take a break after the election and just sit back and breathe a little bit. But, you know, this is happening at such breathtaking speed right now that if we don't stand up, if we don't get involved, if we are not part of the process more and more silly things are going to happen, like I'm going to talk about today. So I was really thinking about this police issue because I was talking to my son yesterday, who's in his early 20s, and he was really telling me some things about the attitude of the younger generation that I frankly never thought in my lifetime I would experience. You know, police work has always been tough. And, and those of you that don't know my background, uh, if, if you're new to watching this program or, you know, watching this on YouTube, because uh, I'm fairly new in that that realm or uh, on Rumble, I'm, I'm really new in that, that whole video specter. Uh, I I am a retired FBI agent and I was a big city police officer for a number of years. And then I was also a Naval officer prior to that. And I can tell you that that profession is very toxic. I'm involved in, um, now in my retirement, I work in the wellness realm with first responders because and during the best of times, it is a toxic profession. It's a profession that just eats your soul out. Um, very high divorce rate, very high alcoholism rate, prescription drug abuse. PTSD, suicide, all of those different issues, and I was saddened to hear even today, I was reading another report of an officer that uh, had taken his life in the country, and um, in fact, I, I just recently heard of a, of an agent in my previous agency uh, taking their life as well, and you know, suicide has always been there in the law enforcement world, but it seems to me that it, it that it's increasing. The numbers of suicides are increasing. And I think a lot of it has to do with the attack on police departments because it's a it, very tough job, very tough job, even when you have the support of the public. And when you don't have support from the public, then it just becomes unbearable and just a, a torturous job that causes people really just to sit back and say, why bother? My life is in danger every time I put on a uniform and I go to work. And we always know about the bad guys wanting to come at us. But I never thought that the public, the public would turn on the profession. And that's how I felt. I always felt that the vast majority of people in the community in which I served as a police officer supported what we did. And now I question that. And I remember my son saying that, you know, Dad, no one my age, no one that he knows has considered law enforcement to be a profession. No no one has. And I worry about that because the way that we are treating police officers now is driving that mentality into our young people, and we have to think down the road. We have to think about what kind of a police force, what kind of an FBI, what kind of an ATF, what kind of a DEA, Park Service, whatever. What kind of services do we want 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Because you understand that the people going into these professions today are going to be your leaders down the road, 20 years down the road. You have to think ahead. And if the the quality people are not going into this profession that you're but you're still having to fill those positions who are you getting these are not the people that you want to be police officers or agents and they will be poor police officers and agents and they will be even poorer leaders when they are in charge of these organizations so it really saddens me to hear that now what my son did explain to me was most people to include his friends the people in his group Understand that police officers are inherently good. The vast majority. There are bad apples like Derek Chauvin, no doubt. But the vast majority are honorable. He understands that. He understands that it is an honorable profession. But no one wants to go into a career where the public believes that it is a dishonorable profession. And I understand that. I absolutely understand that. And what's happening now is that you have this movement to defund, dismantle, and reorganize police departments. Well, who's doing that? They're creating committees in order to do that. And I want to share with you an article from the New York Post about a convicted felon who was put on a committee to do exactly that. So let me share this with you. And the the title of this article from the New York Post, and this is dated March 29th of 2021. And it's uh again from the New York Post and it the title is NYPD Cop Killer is now helping reform the, the police in New York. Did you hear what I just said? NYPD Cop Killer is helping to reform the police in New York. So let's just kind of break this article down here. Uh, Richard Rivera Uh, fatally shot an NYPD cop execution style decades ago in a Queens bar. And now Richard Rivera is helping reform police in upstate New York as part of a state-mandated plan launched by, get this, Governor Andrew Cuomo. Is this guy the biggest joke of a governor you have ever seen? So for you liberals that are out there that support this guy and say that he is a hero and that he is the epitome of leadership when it comes to being a governor. I think I don't even know what to say to you. I really don't. The cop killer who murdered off-duty officer Data 4 Robert Walsh in 1981 sits on a panel for Ithaca in Tompkins County as part of its Reemerging Public Safety Collaborative. The advisory group was formed after Cuomo ordered municipalities to submit police reform plans to the state by April 1st following George Floyd's death. So George Floyd's death spurred this on, and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. So I know people are going to be critical, killer-turned-homeless advocate Rivera, who's 56, told The Post on Monday when asked about the possible reaction to him sitting on the committee. I don't know if Walsh's family would find this acceptable, he said. I can't control that, What I can control is the way I've been living my life. I'm holding the memory of Officer Walsh to the highest standard of policing in terms of a protector to the community, somebody who cares for the community. Well, I'm glad that you're holding it to the highest of standards. And by the way, I am not against people becoming reformed. I do believe that people can change. I absolutely believe that people can change. And if he's doing great work in the public, great, that is phenomenal. But when you do things like this, there are certain parts of the community and certain parts of advocacy that you should not be involved in. And we used to understand that as a country. We used to, everybody understood that, that if you were a convicted felon, there were certain rights that you forfeited with that. I applaud the efforts to improve the community. And I want to see reform in people's lives. If you know me and you know me well, you know that I'm all about that. But there are consequences for your actions and you have to understand that as well. And this is one of the areas that you should have nothing to do with. But one of the slain officer's sons said, Rivera doesn't have to wonder any longer what the family thinks. It is disgusted by the ex-con's position on the advisory panel. We're completely shocked that the man who murdered my father is being trusted to create police reforms. Robert Walsh, Jr., 47, told the Post through a rep. My father dedicated his life to serving and protecting New Yorkers. He should be one, he should be the one serving on a panel to help re- reimagine, uh, reimagine policing, but he'll never get that chance. Rivera was 16 years old when he and four other gun-toting teens donned masks and scrolled into the BVD bar and grill in Maspeth just after midnight on January 12, 1981, looking to rob the joint. Officer Walsh, a 36-year-old, highly decorated cop with 12 years on the force, was inside wearing a cowboy hat, hanging out after his shift. What unfolded next was nothing short of cold-blooded execution, a police official said in, uh, in a front-page post article at that time. As the hero of off-duty, off-duty officer identified himself as a cop, so he identified, identified himself as a police officer and reached for his gun to try to stop the robbery, Rivera shot him in the shoulder. Rivera then walked over to the officer as he lay helplessly wounded on the floor, pressed his gun to the cop's head, pressed his gun to the cop's head and blasted him again, authorities said. I guess it was just something he felt like doing, the police official said of Rivera. The teenage killer spent 39 years behind bars for the cold-blooded killing before being released in 2019. Rivera told the Post that he has since been working with a nonprofit helping to provide the homeless with its shelter and food. Well, good for you. He said his work with the Upstate Prison Reform Committee mainly consists of surveying homeless people about how they may be criminalized just because they are on the streets over their mental issues. I feel that I'm having my li- living my life in a way I feel is for the betterment of the people around me, said Rivera, who opined to Ithaca Week last month about the post-prison outreach work. I live my wife life in a way that honors and respects Officer Walsh's memory, the ex-con told the Post. That is advocating for people who can't advocate for themselves. But Pat Lynch, president of the Police Benevolent Association, said it doesn't matter what kind of feel-good work Rivera does now, he is the last person who should be doing uh, doling out advice on, on police reform. And that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Mr. Rivera, if you want to help people not get into the position and live the life that you had, do it. And everybody supports that. And I am sure the police department would support that. We want you to be a productive member of society. But when it comes to reforms of the police department, you should have nothing to do with it, sir. Absolutely nothing to do with it. It's outrageous and despicable, the union chief raged to the Post. Not only did this cop killer get paroled, but now he gets a seat at the table to help dismantle a police department. Did anybody expect him to be a fair and open-minded in his review? And I don't even care if he is fair and open-minded. Maybe he is. That's not the point. Folks, when you commit felonies, when you commit felonies, you don't get to sit at that table. No, sir, you don't. Under no circumstances do you sit at the table reforming police. The entire process has trampled on the ideals that police officers like Robert Walsh upheld. It's the ultimate disrespect to his service and sacrifice. And I have to tell you, I absolutely agree with that. Now, Cuomo last summer ordered every municipality in the state with a police department to devise a plan reflecting systematic reform in the wake of Floyd's death at the hands of cops in Minneapolis in May. But what does that have to do with the murder of this police officer back in 91? Opening statements in the trial of Derek Chauvin. So we bring that up the white former cop who knelt on the unarmed black man's neck for nearly nine minutes kicked off Monday. That would be this past Monday. Cuomo said when announcing the police reform measures that any local government failing to provide a plan would lose a significant amount of state money. The Upstate Collaborative, of which Rivera is a member, did not return repeated messages from the post-seeking comment Monday. So, um, we, we bring up Derek Chauvin again, and I've said this before. I've done a podcast on this before, and if you didn't hear it, then I invite you to go back and listen to my breakdown on that whole incident in Minneapolis. Folks, um, what happened there was a crime. Derek Chauvin needs to go to prison for a very, very long time. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you, um, I, I'm an advocate of the death penalty. Okay, this is not about corrections. This is about... Um, Uh, you know, you have to pay a price for what you've done, and I am supporter of the death penalty, and he would be a candidate as far as I'm concerned. But you guys do realize that what spurred all of this on was the allegation that this was racially motivated, and you just saw there, white police officer, unarmed black man, but you do know that no evidence, so far, absolutely no evidence has been presented that this was racially motivated. What motivated this was the fact that Derek Chauvin was just a bad cop, he was a bad person, and I have no doubt in my mind that before you think that I'm making racial statements here, I have no doubt in my mind that Derek Chauvin would have done the same thing to me if I was on the ground. That's what I believe. This is a bully. This is a guy that uh, consistently overused force. This is a guy that uh, had numerous complaints on him. This is somebody that the uh, the department should have dealt with years prior, and they didn't. And all the officers sat there and watched him. Because if you look at the officers that were there watching the incident, they were all rookies. They, they had very little time on the force. And if you don't know police culture the way that I do, seniority is everything. And it's easy to sit back and watch junior officers and complain that they don't take action on a senior officer it's, if you've never been in that position. None of those people thought that George Floyd was going to die. None of them thought that. And if you had gone over and grabbed a senior police officer he had 19 years on and pulled him off and nothing happened to George Floyd— then you're, you're done in that department. I can tell you. I know, I know the culture of city departments. You would have been done in that department. And it's the culture within police departments where um, young officers are trained not to speak or they're bullied into not speaking about things that they don't agree with. I've experienced that myself. I experienced that when I was in the police department. I also experienced that in the FBI, to be honest with you. And the problem is that we don't do enough to change a system that allows for people to speak up when wrongs have been committed. When I was in the Navy, I I flew in the Navy, I flew helicopters. And one of the things that we always talked about was in the aircraft, your rank did not matter. It did not matter. If there was a safety issue and you believed it was a safety issue, you were encouraged to speak up. You were discouraged to not speak up but you were encouraged to speak up because safety was everybody's concern. Safety was everybody's concern, and you speak up on it. In the police department, you were encouraged to keep your mouth shut if you were a junior. And that's the problem. It is not a racial issue. It is a police culture issue that needs to be changed. And I'll tell you, this guy here, Rivera, being on that board, isn't going to change it because he doesn't know a damn thing about police culture. He doesn't know a damn thing about what it's like to be on the streets. What you need, if you want to change police culture, you need to have people like me and some of my former colleagues that did that for a living and did it for a career. And we can t- I can pinpoint where the problems are, I can tell you what needs to be fixed, and I can tell you uh, where the culture has gone wrong. And starting with the FBI, I'll tell you that. But to bring in outside people that have never worked, the job in their life, that have never done this. And in fact, if anything, his claim to fame is he killed a police officer. And to put him on a board that has anything to do with reforming police is despicable. And folks in America, you better wake up to what these people are doing to your country and your communities. I know you don't want to be involved. I know you're tired of this. I know you have a million other things to do. I know you are distracted by so many other things, and right now you're living in the misery of what is this disaster of a handling of COVID-19. I get it. But folks, 20 years from now, you're not going to recognize this place, and you're really not going to like what they are doing to your communities and what they're doing to your police departments. Remember, you get and you deserve what you vote for. And 20 years from now, when you look around and you think, what the heck happened to this place? And where did we find these people in the police departments that we have? And what happened to our FBI? Don't talk about it to me anymore about it. You must get involved. These people are taking your country and your community from you. And it is a very, very dangerous move. So, guys, with that, so keep your heads up. After all of that, I wanted to say keep your heads up. Um, get involved. You know, I, I really do think that the pendulum is going to swing back because we can't continue living this way and moving forward like this. But uh, I always enjoy talking with you guys, and I hope that this is... Uh, educational for you, helpful for you, and motivates you to get out and participate in your community. So check us out again on Facebook, The Mark Vine Show, on Rumble, on Parlor, and give me a like, give me a follow, recommend me to your friends, and give me questions uh, about anything that you want answered. And folks, we will see you soon.